Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, and welcome back to The Moments That Made Me with me, your host, Roxy Nafusi. This week, I am sitting down with the wonderful Sadie Frost. Sadie is an actress, producer, and founder of Frost Body, a new collection of luxurious bodywear designed for mind, body, and soul. Since I found out that Sadie was coming on the show, I have genuinely been so, so excited to sit down and hear her three defining moments that led her to where she is today. Hi, Sadie. Hello. Thank you so much for coming on. Welcome. Very happy to be on. Oh, and I got your... um, a gorgeous yoga kit from you last week and it's absolutely stunning so thank you <laughs> I hope you've been practicing your yoga in it and not just like walking around getting a cappuccino <laughs> no 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 I mean I'm a yoga lover um so Sadie we just go straight in to your first defining moment um yeah absolutely um strange to pick three moments because obviously especially in my life when you've lived as long as I have and and, and across so many decades and been around so many amazing people and done so many fabulous things um to choose three was pretty hard and I actually didn't think about it till about 10 seconds ago I just didn't even I, I'm one of those people that likes to put myself on the spot <laughs> so, so um I think for me the first um defining moment was when I was around 11 I was um in um very kind of working class hippie family very young parents we didn't have any my mum had me when she was 16, my dad was 17 and, you know, we moved around and lived in squats and, you know, really had nothing. Um, and But it was a very creative, amazing household with full of artists and fun people. Um, but what happened was, um, I think the school, I went to a, a local school and I, we lived in Primrose Hill and then it was all about, it was a, a very different um seen in Primrose Hill then there was a lot of um it was a lot of council housing and immigrants and and a real kind of eclectic type of people but the school noticed that I was um they thought I seemed quite gifted gifted at um dance and movement because I was and they used to let me have the afternoons off to go to gymnastics at the Sobel Centre because they thought I could be a gymnast anyway they suggested that I should audition for a stage school because there was two scholarships a year to get into this school when you know you could get a proper a proper training and study to be an actor or a dancer. So at 11, um, you know, without any, you know, proper kind of coaching, but apart from my mum and my mum's friends, I prepared some auditions for Italia Conti and I was awarded a scholarship to go to a drama school, which meant that I got full-on training in tap, ballet, jazz, dance, poetry, and I got an education some, it took me out of an environment that I would never have had the opportunity to have. I think I probably would have gone to the local comprehensive, which was fine, 
but I would have had a completely different path because the, the kind of children, kids I was hanging out with, most of them didn't get opportunities in life to do do the things they wanted. And in fact, the th- out of the three girls that I hung around with at primary school, I'm the only one who's still alive, you know. So um, it kind of, for me, was an opportunity to get out of a, of a kind of, a, a, it was a trajectory, a path that seemed to, a, a direction I was going in. And I got into that school and then literally we got a school uniform. Um, I, I started going to a different part of London. It was in Clapham, with Clapham North at that time. And I started having elocution lessons and got, I, I guess I started being disciplined and trained and I started being in films and TV series and stuff. And it gave me a real hope and a real kind of positive work ethic and it gave me drive. So I think that was probably when my life went in a completely different direction to maybe what was kind of could have happened. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that really is such a definitive and strong turning point. It really is a sort of your life could absolutely have been completely different. And do you ever now think about that and think, oh my gosh, whoa. Yeah, I mean, it's something I've always looked at that I've I've made dramatic changes. You know, sometimes, you know, I would be thinking I want to be a real like I want to be a really naughty girl I'm a rebel I'm going to be really bad and then suddenly I go no actually I want to be really good I really want to conform I really want to do well and that was one of those moments where I kind of switched from like I could have been you know a child that got into all kinds of trouble because of um just not really knowing or or having the guidance to not be in trouble and then going to that school it just put me on the right path I think but then it, the weird thing was like, I think I did four or five years and did pretty well. But then I suddenly thought, oh, I want to I want to stop now and I want to go back to being a, a bit of a, a rebel again and being a bit of a bad girl. And I left the school and went to the local comprehensive and kind of. Oh, really? Yeah. And how was the shift back? Well, it was weird because I just then felt I wasn't accepted in either because I was a bit of a I was kind of in trouble for kind of throwing the scholarship away. It was seemed like, well, you know, how can you, you know, you were, we were paying for your education until you were 18. And, um, and then I suddenly went to this uh, local comprehensive and then everyone kind of laughed at me, like, why do you speak like that? And why do you act like that? I was like, oh my God, I've been kind of trained to be like this. And, yeah. um, you know, you know, when you're taught to kind of perform with jazz hands and speak a certain way, and my friends will always laugh at me because I'm pronouncing certain things like cup of tea, pilates, and they all kind of go, why do you speak like that? And I'm like, well, I don't know. We just uh, trained to to speak like this at school. And um, so it took a while for that to actually be accepted when I went back to the comprehensive school. But I think it kind of gave me a grounding. But I think for me, it's always about seeing both sides and understanding both sides. And I think, you know, being, coming, you know, seeing both sides, or like all different sides of class, wealth, cultures. Yeah. You know, I've, my family brought me up to be very open to different, things and never to be um, a snob or never to be judgmental but we're all living in in a world that is incredibly judgy and and um, Mm. and very snobbish so I you know I find that all that stuff very uncomfortable and my father always told me to be he was an anarchist and you know a crazy spectacular man and he always told me to rebel so I've always had that in me you know and, and not wanting to be part of 
a scene or what other people are doing just to kind of carve out my own path but the interesting thing about being young and making decisions as a you know like what school you're going to go to at 11 what what you're going to do at 14 15 and then 18 and 20 what all those kind of definitive ages you think you know everything but you actually you actually know very little and looking back at it, you, you kind of can't believe you made the decisions you did and and, and being a mother now of four kids you know, you kind of, it's interesting to watch them because you can't tell them what decision to make, but you have to learn, don't you, you yourself and, and have the, to have the kind of um, freedom and power to make those decisions, whether they're right or wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love that. And I really love what you said about, you know, the, the kind of importance of being non-judgmental, of having, just being open-minded and being able to experience all sides of the coin. And I think it's just so refreshing to hear and I'm totally with you on that. Welcome to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding, a brand new podcast bringing together people's real ghost, extraterrestrial and paranormal stories, as well as getting some inside details from those who study the supernatural. I'll be listening through your paranormal stories every week and try to understand them, as well as chatting about my own encounters with an occasional paranormal investigator too. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts from, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Acast. Just search for Paranormal Activity with Yvette Fielding. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So, Sadie, what was your second defining moment? So, of course, I'm going to have to kind of loop two things in together because they kind of came hand in hand. But the second defining moment must have been me becoming a mother um, for the first time. And it's when I had Finley. And the funny thing about, you know, becoming a mother, and I think I was 24, 25, in in those days, it was reasonably young, but not as young as my mum when she had me at 16, 
but I was still very young in this in in the kind of way of of just starting my career I'd just done a movie just before I got pregnant I remember having Finley and it was just amazing being a mum but really kind of being told that actually now you've made a decision to be a mum um you can't go back to being an actress you can't really have a career you're kind of the casting directors like at that time struck you off of well no no you're kind of past it I'm like well I'm past it at 24 and again you're kind of in this situation where people are judging you pigeonholing you and I found that incredibly frustrating because I was 24 and I'm like how can you know I be labeled um yes I love being a mum but there's so much more I want to do and um the funny thing was the film I did before I was pregnant had just come out in America and um, Francis Ford Coppola had been told about the film and about my performance and I was um, breastfeeding Finley like sitting on a sofa being told in it by in England that I would never ever work again really and I got a call from Francis Ford Coppola to come out like the next day or so and audition for Dracula and um, I already and I knew that Winona Ryder and Anthony Hopkins, Keanu Reeves, Gary Oldman were going to be in it and it was the part that everybody at that time wanted. So I <gasps> literally packed a case, took my, had my baby under my arm, um, <laughs> wore my best friend Zoe gave me a lucky dress to wear for the audition. Oh. I remember I stuffed my bra because my boobs weren't so big because, um, which is crazy, but I know that the character was supposed to be very curvaceous and um, and I've been breastfeeding, so you know my breasts weren't so so big. And then I auditioned, and I got the part. And so I was a mother, and I was suddenly having this major role in Hollywood, and becoming, um, you know, having all kinds of auditions, meeting amazing people. Can I just ask what that experience was like? That moment of finding out you got this incredible role with these other amazing actors, and you know, as, and also with, you know, when you become a mother and you've got all those hormones and emotions and you are feeling like there is so much adjustment and newness and, um, and then you find this out. What was that moment like? I think I just felt so empowered and excited and, and the fact that I'd been given an opportunity, um, you know, somewhere so far away in Hollywood and, and someone believed in me. It gave me like an independence and a freedom and opened up the whole world for me because I, I then made, you know, lots more decisions for myself as a woman and as a mother. And I traveled more and, and experienced so many more things. But then, you know, I made a decision, you know, you know, I, I, I had I could have had a, a life in Hollywood. But, um, you know, very early on, I kind of the next film or what a few films after I, I did shopping and I met Jude and then my life changed completely again, you know, so. I think what happens with all these decisions and, you know, from after the moment, you know, I got cast in Dracula and, and having that opportunity and having those opportunities, which I didn't take all of them because the most important thing for me was being a mother and was being in a relationship. And then when I fell in love with Jude, everything changed again. But it was always driven by, I think, not I wasn't so career orientated when I was younger. It was driven by... Um, me wanting to find um, peace and love and nurture and someone looking after me and having a family, um, which is really interesting because that's what my life then became after that moment. Um, even though I had the chance of having an amazing career, I chose family and 
And uh, that's what I threw myself into for years after. And so when you say that everything changed again when you met Jude, do you mean that, did you literally kind of pack in work or was it that you just kind of wound down or what, what did that change look like? Well, I had three children, you know, within six years. So wow. that was huge, you know, how it's very difficult for any woman to be able <gasps> to um, go back to, you know, I'd, I'd have a baby and I already had Finn and then I had Raph and I was looking after him and then I got pregnant again and then I got pregnant again and I and I had, was a mother of four and, and you know, my pregnancies were never easy. I was being, um, I had very bad um, uh, hyperemesis and also got postnatal depression quite badly. So I, I threw myself into my family, but I knew that I had to work and, you know, I had Frost French, was a, which was a fashion label with, with Jemima, but my... My, the whole kind of acting was very bitty. You know, I, I got very small parts because, you know, I couldn't go away from the family. And, you know, I, I wasn't kind of in that league of, you know, having lead roles because I couldn't take on lead roles. But I never kind of was driven by ego or by, you know, people would say, oh, you know, what happened to her career or what, you know, she didn't do very well. And I'm like, well, you know, I had four children and, you know, I've I've kind of maintained a healthy career in whatever way I can kind of facilitate that with being a mother and and then the the interesting thing was you know I I did work and I did carry on but my my drive was again bringing up the children and then the I think that the next um you're going to ask me what the last thing is because <laughs> I'm going yeah I'm, your third defining yeah, moment <laughs> the third defining moment you know after kind of having this career and then building this family and all the wonderful things that came with that was when I um, gave birth to my fourth child, um, because I'd had two children very close together and I think my life was going 100 miles an hour, I got really serious postnatal depression. And that is when my whole world came caving in. And, I, you know, I will never... I mean, it was scary for quite a few years on a daily basis. I couldn't, you know, I was in... You know, I, I really believe in heaven and hell. And I was in hell because I was in so much mental and physical pain from this um, disease, you know, postnatal depression. And I was, um, I was like struggling and um, I had to have, you know, I I was in hospital and it was very difficult to, you know, even though I was there for my children, it was hard to, you know, enjoy motherhood because it was um, so intense with, with the postnatal depression. But, you know, I fought really hard and I, what what it taught me was, you know, one, don't undermine, undermine ever having your sanity or your confidence or your self-esteem. And it, it kind of showed me that, you know, to have compassion, even though I always have, but to really understand the bigger picture. And I also learned that there was a lot of people out there that kind of can thrive on someone else's weakness and someone else not being so well. So it made me even more determined to be a strong mother, be more career, career orientated to help other people, whether it be people with mental health issues or um, homeless people or um, working in, in Africa or South Africa, where I've, I've worked on um, a couple of times um, with children in South Africa. And just to put, like, take out, but put back in and make other li- other people's lives feel feel better. And, and anyone who's in pain, try and help as much as possible. Um, so for me, it, it it has molded me to the person that I 
I am today. I mean, I do think I'm confident and I'm driven and all those things, but I, I'll always have a little, there'll always be that post-traumatic stress thing there or things that can trigger that fact that, you know, you can be on the, not that I would ever lose my mind, but you're on the edge, you know, you're kind of like a slightly broken, damaged person. You, you can never kind of completely kind of anything that's so slightly broken, completely mend it. But I, you know, it, it, I, I, so I take everything, my, my mental health and, and, and my health very seriously. So I'll get up in the morning and meditate and do yoga and do exercise and go in the park, surround myself with people that, you know, now that I trust people that are loving and healing and not toxic and just have the people that matter to me close, like my, you know, children, my family, my close friends. And really, I really, really enjoy my work. And at the moment, my work is thriving. I've got the yoga line that I've just launched. And yes, I'm producing and I'm just about to appear in a film, start acting in this film called Chelsea Cowboy. And I'm also the launch of my film that I directed about Mary Quant. Um, so it got into the London Film Festival and, it, and it's uh, premiering on the 20th of October and comes oh, out. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And it comes out in cinemas on the 29th of October. So I think my message is like coming from something where I didn't have much, um, really been, um, you know, making my own opportunities, but being given some and taking some that you can do really well, but you are going to succeed and fail in, in, you know, many times, but you must still kind of keep going and keep things positive. And if you're having a bad day, know that that day will pass and, mm. um, you know, good things are around the corner. And, yeah. um, you know, for me, it is about, you know, me growing as a, growing as a person, but, but also helping the people around me grow, whether it be my kids or my friends or my mom or family or whatever it may be. So, you know, I, I feel in a really good place. Oh, that's amazing. It's so beautiful <laughs> to hear and such a inspiring story. And it sounds like now you have a really solid sort of mental health toolbox that you use, um, you know, every day. And I think for anyone that's going through, it's kind of in that stage that you were in with the postnatal depression. And I know that feeling when you're, I actually had prenatal depression. Um, it, the, I've described it as like a mental prison and it is so dark. Um, how did you begin to come out of that? And what do you think was the kind of tiny light of hope that kept you going each day? So what? firstly, it was um, being around people that I really trusted. Um, my best friend Zoe... Um, she um, helped me a lot and was with me. A lot of my close friends were with me just to kind of, because I think when you're, when you're feeling so like you can't cope and you can't survive or every day's dark, then you, um, you just need to be around people that love you. Um, I was not trusting anyone because at that time as well, my phone was being hacked by um, many newspapers. So I became more isolated and more, um, more kind of, um, yeah, paranoid, I guess. So I had to be around close people. I, I then got a program. Um, for me, I kind of went to um, recovery, like um, there was uh, codependency anonymous because I became very co uh, codependent on people. There's other um, 
other kind of programs I was in. Um, I got a lot of healing, did a lot of exercise. So, I mean, even now, if I kind of woke up and I was having dark thoughts or feeling like, oh, I can't, I can't, um, this is feeling too intense. I would just get up straight away, not, not sit in bed, not lie in bed, get up and go for a walk straight away, do mm. some exercise, do some movement, go swimming. Um, and, um, you know, there's no quick fix. And, and the thing is like, when people used to say that to me, this is going to take a while. I hated to hear that, but it really does take time. And I, and I have yeah. a lot of people now who come to me when they have anxiety. Um, and you know, when my, my anxiety and panic attacks were really bad and I'd, I would have to go to hospital and things like that. I was so scared. Um, you know, you really think you're going to die when, when those things are crippling you. Um, I, I now help a lot of people that have anxiety and I've learned, you know, meditating is good, you know, breathing and it seems so obvious, but, but, mm. but connected to your breath is, is, is what it is about and, and just breathing and slowing down. And when your brain is telling you, I'm not good enough, I hate myself. I don't want to be here. This person, I'm just saying, that's a lie. That's a lie. Look at the good things you yeah. do. So writing a gratitude list every day, telling yourself the good things you do, all of those things um, help. And for me, giving, yeah, giving back and helping people as much as I can um, is vital to me um, and reminding me as well, like, you know, how, how important it is to do the right things to keep healthy. 100%. And I think it really is in the, like, I love all the examples you've given of things that you do every day and things that you can do. And it really is, you know, the change is found in those things that you do every day. And you can use that really for prevention. And I think I know that, you know, for you, well-being is so important. And I think it is exactly that. It's do, don't wait to have, in a way, don't wait to have the panic attack to start breathing properly or to meditate. Practice meditating and breathing now to, to A, have the tool when you need it if that comes on, but also make it less likely that you will, that you will need it. Absolutely. I think it's like, for me now, it's like brushing my teeth. It's just part of my morning regime. I ha it has to be done. And if, you know, my, my schedule has been pretty crazy finishing this film the last few weeks and and and, and I say I maybe missed two two days of of my my routine because even getting up at five I didn't have the time to do those things and those days I wasn't connected I wasn't not in my body I was not kind of breathing properly and I felt edgy and anxious and it just reminds me that I have to do it you know 100% of the time to just feel normal and it's not like I think the funny thing is that when people think people are saying oh I meditate or I, I I'm into well-being that you, it's like this um slightly kind of hoity-toity oh well really you you do this and you do that but no it, it's it's a medicine it's a necessary thing it's like mm -hmm. me taking my asthma pump if I don't do it yeah. I will literally crack up and probably because I'm slightly highly strong or I have a lot of adrenaline or cortisol um or um I have a lot of, um, you know, I'm slightly OCD or ADHD, whatever it may be. I have to do those things to make myself um, be calm and be normal and be at peace and think loving, kind things about the world and myself. Yeah. Well, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your three defining moments with me. And before you go, I would love to have some quick fire questions. Yeah. Okay, so the first one is your most memorable book. Wuthering Heights. Your favorite quote. 
Oh, well, I'm going to say it's, it's got to be the one um, I've been dealing with now, which is, Mary, is, is what Mary Quant says, and it's um, be yourself, free yourself. Oh, I love that. I think that's it. <laughs> I love that. Um, your most influential mentor? My most influential mentor? Um, hmm. I mean, I, I, I well, influential, I, I mean, I would say it's my friend Simon Jones, who is, to me, the, um, he's been like my right-hand um guardian and always helps me through everything or I, or it could be one of my mentors has been Elliot Grove who runs Rain Dance who um is where I went back and did my MA and my direct director um uh, course recently but Simon Jones or Elliot I think like they're my Elliot Grove your go-to feel-good film um it would be Breakfast at Tiffany's a moment where you felt most proud. Um, and it's an every day when I think about my children. <laughs> oh, I mean, you do have the most beautiful children. Mm. <laughs> um, a song that cheers you up? Um, it would be, I mean, it would be maybe like a Bob Marley song. And I was talking to someone about it today uh, who, who told me that it, uh, the beats of reggae make you actually feel happy so they put it on when animals are, are, are not very happy so that's interesting really yeah. I love yeah. that <laughs> um your top tip for dealing with stress I think um a, a really good thing is just to stop and to and to breathe in for four hold for four out for six and just do that like for a minute just breathe in for four hold for four and out for six and just you whatever your stress you're going through even though you you think it will literally kind of slowly, um, it will slowly dissipate. But the other thing actually is I have a God box. So if, and I forget to use it, but if I, you have this box and if, if someone's really annoying you or having a, a, a kind of moment with someone at work and you're fuming, you know, you can go from naught to a hundred in a second. Like I've had 20 of those moments today, by, today, by the way, <laughs> with different work. <laughs> and if something is so consuming you and in your head, I just write on a piece of paper and then throw it away in this box and it kind of it's like a detachment and it takes because the thing is we live in our emotions and the thing is it's about like just kind of not taking it all on you know and I can take it on believe me but it's, it's practicing not taking it on as and then then things normally sort them out themselves out but they're not going to sort themselves out if you're stressed yeah oh my god I absolutely love that idea yeah, because it is so easy to get so consumed by it. If I know something, someone is, you can't. You often don't confront it, and so it really sits in you. And it makes it so much worse if you're freaking out, stressed, or reacting. You know, we yeah. can't change it. We've just got to be able to deal with it calmly. I think, and then then things usually play out better. Absolutely. One thing you'd like to achieve in the next year. Um, I would like to direct another film. I'd like to, um, well, I'm directing, well, I've directed the documentary, but I'd like to direct a feature film. I have no doubt that anything you put your mind to, you will do. <laughs> and the last question is, who is the first person you call to share good news? My friend Zoe, my best friend. I love, I, it sounds like you have a real soul sister there. I love, because <laughs> you've mentioned her a few times. Yeah. I think it's so rare and special to have such an amazing friend like that. No, it is. And yeah, no, friendship of um, 40 years. 
Wow, that's amazing. Well, Sadie, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. And I think genuinely I feel so inspired by it. And it really is just a demonstration that even through kind of those dark times or when someone's told you you can't do it, you know, when they said to you, you're a mum now, you can't act, and then that happened, you know, you just, you make the change and uh, you make things what they are. And I think, yeah, I've just loved chatting to you. So thank you so much. Thank you very much. Really enjoyed it. Bye. Bye-bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.